Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Called Move Again. And we sang a song just earlier that we introduced for the first time today called Move Again because we want to see God move again. We've seen God move in our lives. If you spend any time following Jesus, I'm going to say you will have seen Him move in some way in your life. And so we're praying that we don't just have those moves that we've seen in the past, but we see Him move again now in our present. And so it's a series that we pray will stir you to hunger and believe for God to move again in your lives, in your families, in your business, in your situations, in our city and in our church. And so if anyone wants to see God move again, can you give me an amen this morning? You know, you can use your voices during the praise and worship. You can also use your voices during the preach. You can say, yes, amen. You can say, preach it. You can say, I believe. There, there is something inside your spirit that when it connects with God and you audibly declare something, it is powerful. And so I want to encourage your church. We can get rowdy this morning. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, as Lee also said, this series coincides with 21 days of prayer and fasting. How are we going? Oh, very quiet. How are we going? 21 days, seven days in. Look, we are not really prescriptive on what it is that you choose to fast, how often you want to fast. But what we do say is this. If you're part of this church community, please fast something. It could be for the whole 21 days. It could, you choose, could choose to do one day a week. It could be coffee, social media, food, something else. But please join with us because we believe that when the believers come together and fast and pray together, God can move in their midst. God can speak to you. And it's not just about uh, not eating or dieting, as some people would put it. It's not about that. It's about seeking God. And we put aside some habits that we usually do so that we can redirect our thoughts to Christ and what He might want to be doing in our lives. And so over these coming weeks, we're going to hear some testimonies from people uh, in our church. In fact, we're going to hear one very shortly. Uh, We're going to do an interview. Uh, We're going to have a worship night in our prayer on February the 21st. Come along for that. We're going to have baptisms. It's going to be a powerful month, February. I'm looking forward to it, to see God move in our church and in your lives. And so right now... Why don't we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you that we're crying out, move again. And God, I pray that it's not just words, it's not just head, but God, it's our heart. It's our desire, God. I pray you call us back to your desire, back to your will, which is to see you bring revival on this earth, that mankind might know you, might have a relationship with you. So I pray, God, as we delve into your word today, you speak to us and we would hear you, Holy Spirit, so, so clearly in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad in church. I'm in church this morning. Well, today, before I get into my message, like I said, we're going to hear some testimonies in the month of February. And so today, we're going to hear a testimony from uh, Pastor Stephen Jury, and I'm going to invite him to come up now and and to speak with us. Why don't you give him a clap as he comes this morning? We're going to do some in-person interviews. Great to have you up here, Stephen. How are you? Good to see you. Now... 
let's sit down. Now, here's what I want to say about uh, testimonies. They're very encouraging. And so I want us right now, as Stephen shares his testimony, let's be leaning in. Let's, let's say, hey, God, how are you going to speak to me through Pastor Stephen? And uh, I believe he's got a great testimony that we're going to hear right now. So let's get started. Firstly, why don't you just introduce yourself, Stephen, because some people might not know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. It's nice to meet you. Uh, it's a privilege. I'd like to thank Pastor Bronson and Gabby for uh, having Crystal and I uh, here. Um, we first visited uh, the church um, a year ago, but I'm, I'm, that's, I'm getting ahead, aren't I? Uh, so uh, so uh, I've, been, I've been in Hong Kong and Macau which is part of China for the last 32 years. So I'm, I'm an um, Anglican priest. Uh, my father was an Anglican priest. My brother is an Anglican priest. Wow. My, uh, yeah. my you know when a priest my, comes in my, to the church and you, you feel a little bit of pressure, you no, know? No. My brother-in-law was an Anglican priest and my grandfather was a Methodist minister. I'm not sure how he got in there, but... Wow. <laughs> yeah, so... So we, we went to Hong Kong, the Lord called me there. I met Crystal there um, 27 years ago, so we've been married 27 years. Amazing, and, uh, amazing. Um, Congratulations. And um, we, we planted two churches, one, first of all, in Hong Kong about 15 years, and then one in Macau the last uh, 16 years or so. And uh, so, um, yeah, so it's, uh, the church is mostly English-speaking Chinese, um, it's an international church in, in Macau. Macau is, Asia, is called Asia's Sin City. That's its, uh, that's its nickname. It's the, it's the center of gambling in the, um, the universe. Uh, the, the turnover in Macau is about five times that of Vegas in terms of the amount of money wow. that's turned, turned over. So it's, the Chinese love to gamble. And the people are lovely. There's lots of young families who are hungry to know Jesus. Lots of young families who are hungry for a faith, um, who are tired of materialism and are searching for God. And um, there's a lot of distractions in, in Macau. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a privilege to be with you. I'll just share one little story uh, from Hong Kong, uh, because you're talking about prayer and fasting. And um, about 25 years ago, I was leading, I was the pastor, but I was leading the youth group. And we had about uh, 15 or 20 kids. And we had this period of time where the youth group just took off. And it, it grew from 20 to 65. And actually, it was out of a pool of about 120. So we were averaging 65, but there was about 120 kids coming regularly. And I thought, well, I'm hot stuff, you know, a really great youth group. <laughs> You've I, arrived. I've, I've arrived. I thought I've, it was my dream when I was young to have a great youth group. And um, I thought, well, this is great, you know. And then about a year or two later, I was talking with the youth. And they, they were said, oh, you remember when we did that prayer and fasting? And I was like, what, what, what prayer and fasting? <laughs> and um, I didn't know, but at the time when the youth group took off, they'd made a decision among themselves to do prayer and fasting together and bring their friends to youth group and pray. So I thought it was me, but it wasn't me at all. They were were all unknown to me. They were all, they all encouraged each other and did prayer and fasting and brought their friends and the youth group. And that's the period when the youth group exploded, took off. It's amazing. The other thing I want to share with you is that I'm an Anglican Pentecostal because um, when I was 12, 11, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I received a gift of tongues that night. And, um, uh, you know, being Pentecostal is part of being Christian. Uh, and it is embedded in our theology. We just don't, we don't understand it. You know, people often don't know what it is. It's in confirmation. It's a laying on of hands for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. So uh, it's really a privilege to be with you here this morning. 
Thank you, Stephen. It's, it's so encouraging that even across different denominations, the Word of God is being preached all throughout the world. And even a place like Macau, like you've mentioned, the sin city of uh, maybe the whole world, bigger than Vegas, there are people there faithfully called by God to reach their local community there for Jesus Christ. So great to have you with us this morning, Stephen. Uh, can you briefly tell us how you came to be, you know, like how does an Anglican minister end up in our church here in Melbourne? You know, like what's going on? How, how did this happen? Okay, so, so what happened was that um, in 2022, so 18 months ago, um, I, it was coming to the end of the COVID, the three years of COVID, and I, I have a lot of health issues. I'm 63 and I have heart and lung and other prostate issues and so on, as you do this age. And uh, I hadn't been able to see my doctors because they're all in Hong Kong. The medical system in Macau is not that great, so I would go to Hong Kong. But Macau was locked down for three years like a prison camp. We couldn't go in or out, really. And uh, we could, but we had to go through long, um, what do you call it, quarantine. So um, I hadn't seen GPs. I had, and I just had this feeling in my spirit that I needed to check cancer markers. Now, I'd never done that before, but I just had this still small voice telling me, check your cancer markers. And um, so I went uh, to the hospital and I had a, a colonoscopy. And I, I told, um, I asked a cardiologist at the hospital, can you schedule me for an ultrasound? Because I had this, I found this lump under my neck that was growing. It wasn't painful, but it was growing. And he forgot. And so I, I didn't have the ultrasound. And then Christmas came and went. And we got to January. And I had the colonoscopy. And uh, actually, they asked me if they want to do the full gastrointestinal tract or just the lower part and I said just the lower part that's enough that's enough that's enough trouble for one day guys okay so I should have said the whole thing because if they'd done the whole thing they would have found the cancer anyway so January came and then by that time the thing was like a chicken's egg and I was be I was beginning to think I was in trouble so we have this GP in our doctor in our congregation and I said Lindy can you just feel this after church one Sunday so I sat down and her family disappeared and she fell and she said oh that's not good so she sent me for ultrasound and they did the ultrasound and the sonographer uh, immediately said I must call your doctor now now, that doesn't normally happen when you're having you know, an ultrasound. And so I said, oh, here's the number. And she rang the doctor. And it was the eve of Chinese New Year a year ago. And um, so my GP scheduled me for a, um, a biopsy, had the biopsy, uh, and I forgot about it. And then um, the following week after the biopsy, we were due to fly to Melbourne because it was my nephew Chris's wedding party. And we were going to fly on Wednesday, the 1st of February last year. And um, I couldn't fly because I was NAT positive. I was rat negative, but NAT. I'd had COVID two weeks earlier, and I was, I was recovered, fully recovered, but I was still lingeringly NAT positive. So um, I couldn't fly. So, but the, the Australian government said, well, if you can get a, a doctor-supervised rat negative test, then you can come to Australia. So I, I, then that day, instead of flying, I went to see the, the doctor, and I got my rat negative test. Um, and as I came out of the doctor's office, the phone rang, and it was the hospital, and they said, you must come in immediately. And my heart began to sink further, and I got in the car and drove to the hospital, and as I sat in the waiting room, I opened up the hospital app, and I just thought, I'll just check the app. And they'd already put it online, it said metastatic carcinoma. And um, it was a very dingy, depressing waiting room, and it was a hospital with not sort of really great facilities, and uh, there's not much English there, and I don't speak much Cantonese, and it was just really, I was alone, and I just sat there and I wept. 
And I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a death sentence. I mean, I've seen God move in many ways in my life. I've seen many miracles and many amazing things. But when you get hit with something like that, you know, it's yes. just depressing. Yes. So I, my heart just sank. And um, they did an endoscopy and they found the, the source of the cancer, which was at the base of the tongue. And um, then I went home and told my wife and we sat there and we just cried for about two hours. And then um, I rang the Archbishop, and unknown to me, he'd had cancer the year before. So, he, and he's an old friend from 30 years ago, so he was so super kind, and he was super understanding and loving, and he just said, take as long as you need, and we're gonna keep paying you, and you're on sick leave, and you just go and do what you need to do. And he was so understanding, because he'd had cancer and was recovering. And I rang my nephew, Matt, who's in your, the drummer, in your, one of the drummers, and um, Dr. Matt. And I think he's watching on the live stream today. He's uh, a bit unwell at the moment, but yeah, he's, yeah, wa he's watching right now. Ar hey, ironically, the doctor is at home with a bug. <laughs> so, so I said, Matt, what does this mean? And he said, well, it's pretty drastic. He said, it's going to take six or 12 months. You probably need surgery and then reconstructive surgery. They may take out half your tongue um, yeah. and you'll maybe need radiation or chemo. And um, and I said, well, what do I do? Where do I go? And um, the, the thing we would normally do would be go to Hong Kong because the medical is good, good there. And he said, well, this great cancer hospital in Melbourne called Peter McCallum Cancer Center. But he said, you probably wouldn't want to come. And I said, well, why wouldn't I want to come? It sounds good. And um, he said, well, it takes so long. And I, I said, uh, you know, you have to leave your life and come here for, you know, and you, you, you know, you might still die, you know, and, and um, he didn't say that, but it was implied. <laughs> it was implied. It was pretty, pretty scary. Matt works in ICU, so he sees all the worst cases. So he sort of told me the worst case scenario, which in retrospect was a good thing. So anyway, I said, well, what does it cost? And he said, well, if you have a Medicaid card, it's free. So I thought, oh, great. I, I have this 30-year-old 30, 30 Medicaid card. What I didn't know was that if you're away for five years, it lapses. So it, I was actually not enrolled in Medicare. But anyway, I got to meet Peter Mack and I presented my Medicare card and uh, they just took it and uh, they didn't tell me at that stage that I was not enrolled. It was when I went to the GP and they said, you're not enrolled. Anyway, so that's how, so there was really a miracle in that because what happened was like, if I, if I had flown as planned, I would not have got the diagnosis until a week or two later. But it, what actually happened was I got the diagnosis on Wednesday the 1st, I flew on Thursday, and Friday I was giving blood for tests, Monday I was having biopsies, CT scan, PET scan. Wow. So it happened really wow. fast. And not only that, but, but it was my nephew's wedding, so the whole family was there from all over Australia. So I was surrounded by family and yeah. support. Yes. Um, and then the following week we came to Elevation Church. And uh, we met you. That was amazing, that was the most amazing experience ever. That was the most amazing thing. <laughs> And we loved it. We, we enjoyed the music and uh, we met Zoe and Dave and, and, um, and we loved the spirit of Pastor Larry and Norman. I discovered that Pastor Larry had cancer and was miraculously fully healed when he was young and that's how he got in the ministry. So, of course, I asked him to pray for me and that was enormously uh, comforting. And you also prayed for me and that was enormously comforting and Zoe and Gabby. So uh, we were so grateful and as we sat here each week with Matt and Sarah, I mean, the, the, it was, we were so emotional and the worship was so powerful and the spirit would just wash over us and um, we would just, I mean, just be standing there weeping every Sunday. But this was the highlight of our week coming here. 
because during the week we then had all this radiation and chemo and anyway I'm getting ahead of myself sorry no, 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 I'm no, a preacher fine. he I warned me beforehand that he's like I'm a preacher and I, it's like I usually preach for an hour or so you know he told me five minutes and <laughs> I'm like, like that's not going to happen he's <laughs> like not your little wimpy 25 minutes that you preach for no it's all good it's all good um, sorry very hard <laughs> no no it's good um so the, the timing was, the miracle was yes. really in the timing. Yes. Mm. You know, one of our values God's at provision. Elevation Church is being authentic, being real, like just being who you are and where you're at. And so you, you started to start to allude to it, or you did mention a little bit of it. But can you, like, just be real for us today, and, you know, how were you feeling at this time? You get this diagnosis, you find this information. Um, yes, you're a, a, a priest. Yes, you believe in God, uh, but you're also a human being yeah. with all those things. And so the, the, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, how, how are you feeling, Stephen? Yeah, it's, um, it's a devastating experience. Um, I, uh, the cancer was not only the base of tongue was the start. Is there a picture there? I think you can see the little beggar um, of the cancer. Yeah, that's not a very good picture, but you can see that pyramid in the middle. That's the cancer. It looks like nothing. Um, it's about that big, no, that big probably, um, but it had spread to about 12 lymph nodes, one of which was the size of a chicken's egg, um, wow. and, and it was on its way down to the lungs. So, um, it, it, and it was very frightening. I thought it was a death sentence. I thought my life is over. I, f I felt deeply sad for my wife. I felt I'm going to abandon her. I felt distressed for the church. I thought this is going to devastate people's faith. You know, the, the preacher gets cancer of the yeah. tongue. Um, so it, it, was, it, was, it was frightening and it was devastating. And I think it affects you in deep ways that I just can't put into words. Um, I mean, I still don't sleep well. And, and that's partly because of the psychological impact of the whole experience. Um, yeah, it's... It, it affects you subconsciously very deeply. And then when you go through the, the treatment, it's just a physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental battle. I don't have time to tell you the whole thing, but I'm claustrophobic. And for head and neck cancer, they have to bolt your head to the board with a, with a mask. So you bolted to the board for like 20 minutes, which if you're claustrophobic, is quite terrifying. Yes. They, they give you a drug to make you calm, but you're still terrified. The first time I couldn't do it, Crystal had to come in and hold my hand and calm me down, and then we went for it. And then halfway through, I got, I got a lot more used to it. Um, and you, 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 um, you, you, oh, gee, I just wish we had time. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many side effects of chemo. Uh, I mean, it just wrecks your body in so many different ways. And the radiation is a slow burn. So you, they're cooking you every day for 35 days. You have weekends off. Um, you have Saturday, Sunday off. And they basically cook you with the uh, equivalent of, I guess, thousands of x-rays um, every day for 35 days. So by the end of it, your neck is really blistered. I don't know if we've got... Oh, there it is. So, so that was yeah. like after about five yes. weeks of seven weeks and that's blistering all around the collar. I had a clerical collar of blisters. Um, and uh, people also, I didn't get so much, but people also get ulcerated inside. So they, they can't eat very well. Um, and part of the torture is every night you lose three to four kilos and uh, three to four kilos every night. So you wake up in the morning three to four kilos lighter than when you went to bed as well. And you have to maintain your weight because if you lose weight, your head moves in the mask. 
and if you, they miss the shot by millimetres, you can cook something vital instead of the cancer. So you're not allowed to lose more than 5% body weight, which in my case is about 5 to 7 kilos. So, seven kilos. so uh, that's not much when you're losing 3 to 4 or 9. And so I had to eat three and a half, three, about 3 to 3,500 calories a day. But your mouth is burned. Everything tastes like salt, wax, and cardboard. The last thing you want to do is eat. Um, it's just a, really a torture. And everybody gives you chocolate, which is the worst possible thing to, to don't give people with, with head and neck cancer chocolate. It's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't want to scare you, but it's, it's quite um, a difficult experience. You know, the reason I asked that question today is just to uh, let the congregation know is that Sometimes there is this perception that because you are in ministry or you're a preacher or you're a pastor, that for some way you are different than everyone else. But just to let you know that we're just the same as everyone else. We have things that come into our mind. We have worries. When things come along, it can be difficult for us too. So, you know, I don't ask this, I didn't ask that question to, to bring up past trauma, but just to let everyone know no, no, it's we're fine. all on the same page when things yeah. happen in our lives during like that, this. During that time, I had two pastor friends the year before who died of cancer. So I thought, well, why not me? They're better yes. people than me. They're more godly than me. Yes. Uh, I'd probably die too, you know, so, yes. yeah. But I also met Larry, who was healed of cancer, yes. and I have another pastor friend who was miraculously healed of cancer. Yes. So it's a little bit mysterious. Their testimonies were an encouragement to you Enormous encouragement to me. Um, you know, when I f first came here and I met them and I discovered that he'd really been healed. My, my testimony is not so much of healing. It's, um, and I, have, I, have to, I haven't explained this, that um, the, the anxiety and depression was alleviated after two weeks because they did the biopsies and they can tell from the DNA exactly what kind of cancer it is. And they said, oh, we can, we can treat this. They said, this is responsive to radiation. So we have, then they said to me, oh, okay, we can tell you you have an 80% chance of survival after five years. Now, that's a really good statistic for any kind of cancer. So this is not so much, I mean, I really believe that God healed me. Yes. And Crystal, from the beginning, through the darkness, she never lost faith that God was going to heal me. But I have no doubt that he worked through the doctors as well as through divine healing. Yes. I'm sure Amen. he worked through both. Amen. And we were in, when we got that when we found out that we had like an eighty percent chance, we just almost danced out of the doctor's room. So oh, wow. it it didn't make the process any easier. But my testimony is really to people of God's faithfulness, because there's still the shadow of death. Yes. You know, you can you might be in the twenty percent. Yes. Um, but God was so faithful, the timing of everything, everything yes. we needed was provided yes. all the way through the Lord was with us. And we had people all over the world praying for us. Yes. There were Christians in churches all over the world. And we really, we really felt the power of prayer. So on the one hand, it was this incredibly terrible experience, the worst of my life. And on the other hand, it was the most wonderful experience yeah. yes. because we had so many answers to prayer. Yes, yes. And I think that's where you draw upon the strength of the communities that you're part of. And that's where our Christian faith and being part of a congregation, a community of other believers is so powerful. Um, obviously, you've sh you're on the stage with us today. So we know that God came through and through doctors or however it occurred, divine healing. We believe that God moved in your life. Can you share some of the ways that God moved during that time that are a testimony of God's faithfulness? So the first thing was was in in the timing. Um, 
Oh, and it was just amazing timing. We got the diagnosis. We, we were on a plane to Melbourne. We didn't have to tell the church because they knew we were going on leave to Melbourne. And here was the hospital in Melbourne. Like everything was there provided. The timing was just perfect. So that, that was one thing. And the provision of everything, finding a place to stay, everything, everything fell into place. The bishop uh, giving the salary so we, 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 we could afford it and all this sort of thing. Um, but there were many other things that happened. One thing that happened was each week we had to have uh, blood tests. Uh, after the chemo, and they measure about 15 different aspects of your blood, all the lymph sites and, uh, and so on, and uh, the different blood cells. And it, the first week came back and everything was in normal range. And we thought, oh, that's good. And the second week came back and everything was in normal range. And the third week came back and everything was in normal range. And the fourth week came back and everything was in normal range. And the, the nurses and the doctors said, oh, this is, this is really amazing. And um, yeah. And we said, is it, does this ever happen? And they said, it does happen, but it's very unusual. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that's what they said. Yes. Uh, so, so that was, that was um, amazing. Um, Can you talk about the Medicare situation? Yeah, yeah. So, so the Medicare was a miraculous provision because, um, like, as I had this card, and I, I called up a, a lovely lady um, called Pam um, and, uh, in Medicare, and we were on the phone for a long time. Uh, and uh, she said, well, you, you need to either own a home or have a, a, a rental lease. Now, we, we were just here on leave, you know. But what happened was that in 2019, my mum passed and I, I bought her house. And, um, but we hadn't been able to do anything with it. And if it had been up to me, I would have come back, packed it up and sold it. Because yeah. if you sell within two years, there's no capital gain tax. Yeah. So I could have sold it and, and got the profit and, uh, and so on. Uh, because it went up quickly, so uh, as you know, so um, but I wasn't able to because of the COVID. So we couldn't come back. We couldn't travel. So the house just sat there, and my sister used it, and my brother used it, and the family used it, and my sister stored her stuff there and so on. And uh, I was very frustrated because we yeah. couldn't rent it. So we lost, we lost, I don't know, sixty thousand in rent or something. And um, so it's like, well, what the heck have we got this thing for, you know? Yeah, yes. And then she said, well, you need to have a house. And it's like, I've got a house. Yes. So then she said, well, you need to have insurance bills and electric bills. And, and I, had, I had all those things on my phone. So, yes. I, so, so I sent them off and she said, oh, you're re-enrolled. Oh, yes. so, Amazing. So... so how much were the Peter Mac bills going to be approximately? So the, the, the treatment will cost about, the actual cost is about like 150 to 200,000. So we were spared, that we, and we would have had to pay it as overseas residents. Yes. We're residents. Uh, so I became a resident of Australia again for seven months, leg <laughs> legally. Legally, so I didn't do anything wrong. So, so that was an amazing provision, uh, really, for us, yeah. And there are other things, but my brain is a bit blank. Can you remind me what were the other things? My blanks, my, my mind's gone a bit blank too at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but he, here's what I say. What, what would you say to someone today who might be going through a difficult season in their life? Now, I know that your example here might be health, but, you know, there's relational seasons, financial seasons. There's times where we might feel like we're, we're distanced from God. What, what, what might you say quickly to someone this morning? Um, so, I, yeah, I mean... Uh, I would say, first of all, that we need the support of the body of Christ. I think in those pictures there, um, there was a picture of my friend Morris, who is a doctor in New Zealand, and he flew from New Zealand to, to visit me, and he came into the chemo ward. Now, nobody does that. 
And so here I was in chemo getting shot up with all these cytotoxins. And here's my friend from 20 years ago, it turns up. And he, he just brought me some kiwi chocolates. And <laughs> it was his. <laughs> so thanks, mate. Uh, he's a dentist. That's <laughs> like the worst thing. <laughs> and, uh, but he just came to say, we love you and we're praying for you. And like we just had so many messages. And you guys, uh, every week our highlight was coming to church. Yeah. Like when you're getting cooked every day and poisoned every day. And the one thing we looked forward to was coming here to be with you in church yes. and the love and support of the community and also watching our own church online as well yes. in the afternoon. So um, the, I'd say, you know, you need the body of Christ. And, and this, so you need to be part of a church community. And the secondly, of course, is to lean into Christ. And, yes. um, you know, Crystal's faith was just so solid. She never lost faith. She always just stood by me uh, and believed that God was going to heal me. And I, when I didn't believe, you know, her faith in Christ yes. carried me through. Yes. And really, really, I probably got closer to Jesus during this time than I've ever been in my life, I think, because, you, you, you know, you, you have to be. I remember this quote someone once said, um, if you feel, oh, I can't remember it, if you feel like you've no, I can't remember it. If you feel like you've hit the bottom, then look under your bottom. That's rock bottom. Anyway. Can, can I just close with this one, one story? This is a funny story. It was um, on the final day. Oh, there was another, another thing was that the thing I was really scared of was that 80% of people get a feeding tube, an astro-nasal gastric feeding tube put in because they can't, they can't keep up the calories. And uh, they have these little bottles of stuff, which each one's 400 calories. So they pour eight of those into you every day, which is just really gross. And I was terrified of this. Yeah. And um, so we fought so hard to be able to eat something. It was such a battle. And, uh, and we made it. And I didn't have to have the nasogastric feeding tube. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I, I just, I really felt thankful to God for that because I was scared of that. Um, but every time we'd see the doctor and the nurses, they'd say, your progress is amazing. Yeah. You know, and one nurse said, oh, Crystal remembers all the words that they used, like incredible, amazing. She made notes, you know, yes. and she said, this is amazing. You shouldn't be doing this well. Oh, and another thing was at week three, they gave me a bottle of morphine and they said, literally knock yourself out. Take whatever you want. Imagine that, you know. Here's a bottle of morphine and other painkillers. Just knock yourself out. Have whatever you want. And I thought, I don't need this, you know. And I, I mean, I could have taken it. I was willing to take it. But um, I got through to the final week just on Panadol. Yeah, and only the last week I needed a little bit of morphine to help me sleep. So I just made it all the way through. And most people become, many people become addicted to morphine through the whole, whole process. So the final story was on the final appointment with the doctor and um, they always ask you, what did you have for breakfast? Because, uh, which we figured out was a trick question because they're, they're calculating the calories, right? And if you don't have enough calories, they're going to put the feeding tube in. So we figured out it was this evil question, you know? So they're like, how, how many, how many, how many calories, you know, what do you have for breakfast? And I'm like, dude, it's the last day. And he's like, no, never mind. So I said, well, we had steak and eggs. And he's like, steak and eggs? And then he's, the doctor, the oncologist, is typing on the medical record, steak and eggs for breakfast. And I looked over his shoulder and I was like, is that medical information? You know, wh why do you need to put that on the record? And he said, well, Stephen, he said, it's so incredible. He said, most people can't eat steak for up to a year after this treatment. And you're having steak and eggs every day. He said, that's amazing. So we really felt that was a, a, a grace of God. I'm sorry. I... Uh, too long-winded. I'm so sorry.
Well, can so, we give Stephen a big sorry. clap this morning and thank him for yeah. sharing his testimony? I'm sorry, I have so much to say. And I, the, Lord, the Lord was just with us through the whole thing and we love this church so much and we're so thankful to the pastors and the people here for their care. The thing that struck us when we came in the door was how loving you all were and the sense of the presence of the Spirit was so yes. tangible. Yes. So thank you, you so much. You know, I just want to say one last thing about this. Um, Stephen is going through everything that he's going through with his cancer treatment and chemo and radiation and all these difficult things. And yet every Sunday when he would come, he would take time to encourage Gabby and I and other people in the church, say, hey, the church is amazing here. You're doing a great job. There's a great sense of God's presence. So I just want to honour you for doing that. Um, it was a great encouragement to myself and Gabby and to other people in this church that you might be going through what you're doing, but you're still able to glorify God and lift up other people at that time. So thank you, Stephen. I really wanted to be Thank you. Thanks, Sorry mate. I'm so long-winded. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, then. Um, thank you so much. Come on, let's give him a clap this morning. Thank you. That was amazing. You know, I hope this morning as you heard that testimony, you know, there's two reasons we do testimonies. One is for the person who went through the experience and has seen God move in their lives, they can give glory and praise to God. And so this morning, Stephen has done that. He's given glory and praise to God. But the other thing and the other reason we do that is so that us who are listening can be encouraged in our faith in how God has moved in someone else's life and so that is the power of testimonies uh, this morning. Now I've got to like look at my notes and say, what am I going to preach? What aren't I going to preach? But, you know, we're in a series called Move Again, and we want to see God move. But, you know, the first place that we really need to see God move is in our hearts. The place that God really wants to move, first of all, is in our hearts. He wants to move in our city, in our churches, and bring revivals to those places in our, our homes. But He first wants to start... In our hearts, he wants to do a power there. And so when we are first saved, at the moment of salvation, there is a transformative work that God does in our hearts that occurs in that moment. But what we need to realize is that the journey of faith and following Jesus Christ is a continual transformation and renewal in our hearts. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you came to Christ, a new life began in your life. And so it's good news the day you made that decision, you were never the same again. And maybe today you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you've heard Pastor Stephen's testimony this morning. You've experienced some of the music that we've sung and you've, you've sensed this presence of God in your life. And maybe today you don't know him. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to follow Jesus Christ and to experience that change, that new life that occurs for the believer. But the question is this today for those of us who are believers, are you still on the journey of change and transformation or have you stopped somewhere along the way? See, move again first starts inside us, a transformation that God wants to do in our lives. And if you were to look back from where you are today compared to the day where you were converted, the day that you were saved, where conversion occurred, I would say, I would hazard a guess, there would be a huge transformation that has occurred in your life. And we give God praise for that change that has occurred. But I want to ask you, 
What about in recent times? If you've been following Jesus for five years, what about two years ago? What change do we see from them? What about six months ago? What about three weeks ago? What change are we seeing in your life? See, the Christian journey is not just a single transformation that occurs once at salvation. It is ongoing that God wants to do in our lives. And so how's the transformation and change in your heart going? Are you becoming more like Christ? Do you have a greater sense of the Holy Spirit's presence around your life? Is there a greater control through God's power over sin and addiction and your flesh in your life? Or are there still some things lodged in your soul, lodged in your mind that are still holding you back from fully following God? Bitterness, greed, envy, covetousness, pride, addiction, sin. Perhaps there's apathy, indifference, spiritual coldness, numb to the things of numbness to the things of God. Church in my life, and I pray in your life, our cry is God move again in our hearts. Move again in my heart. Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David asked God for a heart examination. And today I wonder if we would ask God for a heart examination as well. Today I wonder if this is something that we should incorporate into our spiritual practices as much as we incorporate prayer and fasting and reading the word and being part of a church community to incorporate the examination of our hearts by God. In the Ephesians 4.17, Paul's writing to the church and he says the following, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their lives are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learn about Christ. As believers, God's called us to, le- to leave this life. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learnt the truth that comes from him, throw away your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and, de- and, and um, deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let the Spirit renew you. That renew you, change you, transform you. The, the word renew here is present tense. It's not the Holy Spirit has renewed you. It is present in our lives. God wants to do a renewal in our present lives right here today. And there's a theological term, and probably Pastor Stephen would know this better than I do. But there's a theological term for this concept of renewal, and it's called sanctification. If you've been in church, you may have heard this term before. Maybe it's the first time today. Sanctification. What is sanctification? It is the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and and are enabled more and more, day by day, more and more, to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. This is the renewal that God wants to do in our hearts And in our lives, and every believer has called to live a life that is being sanctified day by day, 
week by week, month by month, year by year, line upon line, precept upon precept, to be renewed in our lives. There is an ongoing change and transformation that God has called us to. But what we need to realize is that sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. See, sanctification without the Holy Spirit's work in our life leads to legalism. It leads to behavior modification. And God is not in that. He is in the business of Holy Spirit renewal in our lives. See, to say God move again, the move component starts with a move of God in our hearts. And He wants to see revival in all the places. But it starts in the hearts of the believers. And today, it is not right for a Christian to believe for God's transforming power out here, out there, and not to engage in God's transforming power in here, inside of us, inside our hearts. So today, I wonder, what are some things that the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to you about? I wonder today what perhaps is the Holy Spirit talking to you about, that He wants to move in your heart. What are some things perhaps that are holding you back from stepping to where God wants you to be, that are keeping you bound in your life? Some areas that God wants you to be sanctified in. There's some good news today, church. There's some good news. See, God doesn't leave us where we are. God doesn't leave us where we are. He's not done with us yet. See, God's not done with you. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, how young in your faith you are, how mature in your faith you are. God's not done with you. You're not a piece of bread with an expiration date or a best before date. God's moving in your life. He wants to move again in your hearts. And I love when we talk about sanctification and being more like Christ and wanting to do what God wants us to do. I love this scripture verse that encourages us in Philippians 2.12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Paul talking to the church. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you. And here's the kicker, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. See, today I want to encourage you, if you're thinking, man, this, this life that I'm living, I feel like I'm far from God and you feel like it's too difficult. The Scriptures say here that God gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It's an amazing gift, the desire to do what pleases Him, the power to do what pleases Him. See, as the Spirit of God comes upon our hearts, and I pray today that you want the Spirit of God to come upon your hearts. I pray you want to see Him do the change that He desires for your life. But as, it come, as, we, as we desire, as the Spirit of God comes upon our hearts, He radically changes our desires so that our desires for the world fade and our desires become the desires that He wants for our lives. And as the Spirit of God continues to move upon our hearts, His power comes to break the chains of addiction, to break the power of sin, to break the hold that the, that the enemy has upon our life and sin and bad habits and bad ways of thinking. He gives us the power to live a life that pleases Him. So today as God, thank you, you give me the desire, you give me the power as your Holy Spirit moves in my heart. God, move again 
in our hearts. So today as I close, I want to just share some practical steps that we can take to power the transformation in our lives. And it's in James 4, 6. It says this, Therefore, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I think Lee shared this from Luke today or something. If the kids could come, that would be amazing. Uh, that would be great. But he says this, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. I've got three quick thoughts. I'm not going to expand on these a lot, but three things today to see the transformation that God wants to do in our heart. Number one, according to James, humble yourself. We haven't arrived yet. We're a work in progress. God is moving in our hearts. Our own strength is not sufficient. We've been given gifts, abilities, talents from the Lord, yes. But in, in, in them and in them of themselves, they are not enough. We need God. We need to humble ourselves for Him. We need the Holy Spirit desperately today. Perhaps today you've been walking and living in your own strength. Would you humble yourself this morning to come before God and say, God, I need you. For the transformation in my heart that you want to do to move again in my life, I need to humble myself. The second one is, number two, we need to repent. We need to take a 180 degree turn. This, this one is hard. In real church this morning, this one is hard. We need to repent. We need to bring before Jesus those things we need forgiveness for. God, there are these areas of my life that are happening right now. God, I need your forgiveness. I repent from them. I turn away from them. 180 degrees in your power, your strength. I surrender them over to you. See, there's no transformation in our lives without handing those things over to God, without handing those over to Jesus. One, humble ourselves. Two, repent. And number three, we are to draw near to God. Draw near to God. Seek after Him. Cry out to Him. Call upon Him to move again in your life. Whether it's a healing situation like Stephen, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in, I don't know, provision or career, whether it's in your, the dryness in your own heart and walk with God. God, I draw near to You. And the Scriptures say, as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. Here's the end result. God will lift us up. He will exalt us. He will move again in our hearts just as we've asked. But the move again of God begins in the hearts. Today, Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God who began the good work within you, come on, we know this one, will continue this work until it is fully finished at the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's work in your life is ongoing. We need to seek God and believe God. Move again out here, but first, God, move again in here. Move again inside my heart. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you today.